Hello, everybody. Welcome to another wonderful interview with John and I. Today, we are joined by Ted Ling. You guys might know him from The Love Boat, but this man has been all over TV and movies, and we're going to chat with him a little bit about that, see what he's got coming out now. And uh, I'm really excited to jump into this conversation. John, you want to go ahead and kick things off? Yeah, sure, sure. First of all, Ted, how are you this evening? I am doing good. Yeah. I'm having a wonderful time. Uh, I get to stay home and not have to go out anywhere because the government says that's what we need you to do, Ted. And so whenever my wife says, well, you should go do this, I go, no, I'm just following the government's orders here. I'm not going anywhere because <laughs> I'm in the danger zone. I'm over 70. That's the danger zone, man. You know, you know I, I like how you think, Ted. I like how you think. <laughs> yeah, man. I got to enjoy this, you know? Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's start off talking about your role as Isaac on the Love Boat. Um, could you maybe talk us, take us through, excuse me, the uh, process for getting the role? Okay. This is a very interesting uh, gig that I got. First, you have to know I did a television series called That's My Mama. Now, for your listeners, they can Google this and they can go on YouTube and see scenes. Okay, so my first experience on network television, this was back in 74, 1974, was That's My Mama. And back then, unlike now, I had black hair and I was playing a street kid. So uh, that was my first experience, okay? After that, that show ran for two years. After that, I auditioned for a Japanese situation comedy that the same network was doing, ABC, and I got the role. And that role was of a custodian in a Chicago high rise. And the, the show starred Pat Morita. Now, some of you may know Pat Morita from the earlier Karate Kid movies. Okay. This, was, this was before Mr. Miyagi came on the scene. So anyway, Pat and I, comedically, we had a great chemistry. And this is what any television producer or executive producer wants is to find an actor that had actors that have great comedic chemistry. And he and I had that. And we were working for a guy named Jimmy Comack. So at the end of the, it, it was a short lived store, a uh, short lived run. It only ran uh, for four episodes and we had shot eight, but by the eighth episode, we were, Pat and I were clicking, man. And uh, so the producer saw that. And now Jimmy Comack did uh, Chico and the Man and a whole bunch. Of, oh, look at you. There I am. <laughs> yeah. And there's Pat. Our hair is decidedly darker, but there we are. And uh, so uh, the producer says, listen, Ted, I want to do a series with you and Pat Morita. Uh, are you amenable to that? And of course, I'm a young fledgling actor trying to just find a gig, let alone have any kind of permanent gig. So I say, yeah, absolutely. Now, what happened was ABC, both series were on ABC. That's my mama and Mr. T and Tina. So ABC says, listen, they called my agent. They said, we're, we're thinking of doing a series called Love Boat. We'd like you to go in and meet the executive producer, who was Doug Kramer. 
So I go in, I meet Doug Kramer. I sit down just like this. We're sitting together. And he goes, uh, the network's very hot on you, Ted. I go, well, thank you very much. So let me ask you something. I said, yeah, sure. Um, do you get seasick? <laughs> now, if you ask an actor, do you ride a horse backwards? The actor's going to say, you're damn right. I ride <laughs> uh, can, you, can you swim underwater and hold your breath for five minutes? Absolutely. Whatever the producer is going to ask you as an actor, particularly a starving actor, the answer is yes. Or, you know, or, or if it has to be no to get the gig, you know. So that's what I said. No, I don't. I don't get seasick. And I've been on all kinds of boats, you know. And so he said, well, that's that's all we really need to know. So I'm like, there's no audition, no reading of a character, nothing. No, no, just I just want to know if you get seasick. I said, okay. So I leave. And meanwhile, I'm waiting on Jimmy Comac because Jimmy Comac's going to get a series I can star in. Okay. Love Boat sends me the script that they want to do and what my character does. Now, John, Jason, listen to this and tell me what. the character is in the opening scene doesn't say anything the character is in the middle of the pilot and he serves somebody a drink and then the pilot in the pilot the character is at the end of the scene and he waves goodbye he doesn't say anything he just waves goodbye that's the role now i got a guy that wants to set a series around me and i got this guy that wants to just have me come in wave serve somebody a drink and go say goodbye and wave and so uh, i tell my agent, I, say, I don't want to do that now this is how you know you got a really good agent because i said there's nothing for me to do in this and my agent says ted have you ever been to mexico on a boat and then I go, well, no, I've never been to Mexico any kind of way. He says, has your girlfriend ever been to Mexico? I said, no, I'm pretty sure she hasn't. He said, well, listen, they want to pay you $10,000, which you don't seem to want at this point, but let me put it to you this way. If you take the 10,000, you can go to Mexico, see Acapulco, Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan, and you're not going to have that much work to do, so you can actually enjoy this as a vacation, and you'll score points with your girlfriend because you took her to Mexico. That's a good agent. Because I said, <laughs> all right, that works for me. I'll do that. I'll, I'll do the show. So I go, and we do the show, and sure enough, I don't have that much to do, but we're in you know, you know Acapulco, and they had the discos. It was really jumping at that time. And so I took my girlfriend and we had a great time. And I met Fred and Bernie. Fred was going to play gopher. Bernie was going to be the doctor. We hooked up. Another thing is when you're not on camera, you're off camera and you're hanging out with the other actors, you're telling each other stories and making each other laugh. And that's what, so we had a chemistry very much like Pat Morita and myself. So we had a good, good chemistry. And, uh, they shot the pilot. Now, the only three things that they knew on that pilot was that Fred worked, Bernie worked, and I worked. 
we were good together. The rest of the team was kind of up in the air. In the air. They didn't like the girl that was the cruise director, and they didn't like the guy that was the captain. So they go, listen, this is such a good idea. Let me make one more pilot. And so now the network is saying, well, we don't think it's that good an idea. He said, please let me let me make just one more pilot. I'm sure we can get those other two character roles filled and you'll have a winner. So they go, all right, but we're not letting you go to Mexico again. That's too expensive. So you go out here to San Pedro, go on the Queen Mary and shoot whatever it is you have to shoot on the Queen Mary because we're not sending a boat out again with you guys. So Doug Kramer, the executive producer, goes, okay, I'm good with that. And we shoot a third pilot, which is totally unusual for a new show that's coming mm -hmm. on the air. Three yeah. pilots, you know, they let them have that. Anyway, we shoot it. And in order to shoot it, he needs a business partner. So he goes to Aaron Spelling. And he says, Aaron, you know, uh, Will you? And Aaron wants to get out of action and, you know, the other stuff. And he wants to kind of broaden his resume. So he, this is a comedy, a romantic comedy. So he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll be, we'll go partners. So we do that. We shoot the pilot. It's actually a pretty good pilot. But the network didn't have any faith in it. And so they call up Doug Kramer and said, we're not doing this. And Kramer said, what do you mean you're not doing this? Hey, we're not doing this. We've got a show called San Pedro Beach Bum, and we think that's going to be a winner. We don't like this love boat thing. So Kramer calls up his new partner, who is the 800-pound gorilla in a 200-pound <laughs> room. You know what I mean? This, is, yeah. this guy, does he throws his weight around. So he says... Aaron, they don't they don't want to air Love Boat. And Aaron says to Doug Kramer, hey, baby, don't worry about it. I got this. And he calls up the network. And they, and they go, yes, yes, uh, Mr. Spelling, what is it? He says, you know, I shot this pilot with Doug Kramer, and he tells me that you can't find a time slot, so I'm going to give you a time slot. Saturdays, 10 o'clock, against Carol Burnett, Put it on. And so they go, yes, sir. All right? That's muscle. So that's, they that's, put us on. Carol Burnett, we were number one the first show. Wow. We were number one. Carol Burnett took a nosedive. It had been on for 10 years. I have to say that. Carol Burnett had been on for 10 years, and people were looking for something new. We went straight up, and Carol Burnett went straight down. And so the first two years, we were on at 10 o'clock, and then they moved us to 9 o'clock when they came up with Fantasy Island. And so that's how I got the part. I never had to audition, you know. I never had to do a reading or, or any of that. And as a matter of fact, uh, Bernie Coppell played the doctor. He said, hey, Ted, you know, when I was uh, at the screen test – and I said, you had the screen test, Bernie? He goes, yeah, yeah, I had the screen <laughs> test. And, and when I was there, you know, I was there most of the day, but I didn't see you, Ted. Where, where were, you? were you? Did you come in earlier in the morning or did you come in later in the evening? And I said, Bernie, only the actors they weren't sure about had the screen test. I didn't do a screen test. 
<laughs> I, was, I didn't come in and do any of that. They gave me the part because they know I could follow through, brother. <laughs> so whenever Bernie, sometimes we would be shooting show. We shot the show for 10 years. Sometimes when Bernie would mess up or, you know, flub a line or something, I would lean in and I'd say, that's why you had the screen test. <laughs> <laughs> so we had fun. We had, we had, we had a good crew, uh, John and Jason. And I know you know this because when you have to work with someone, you want to be able to, you know, get along with the person, have simpatico. And that's the way me, Fred, Bernie, Gavin, Tweez, and then later Jill, that's the way we all were. We got along famously and we we loved each other and we thought each other was funny. And that's real that's really the the to me the most important thing is you get the other guy's humor. That's true, because mm -hmm. John and I talk on the phone all the time, like outside of this. Like yeah. We're constantly talking. But uh it does, it does help when you get along with the person. But um that's it's fascinating that you were going to work with Pat Morita and then the love boat came along and it's about the time, same time he got happy days. So it, it worked out for both of you in the end. Yeah. No, no. He had left happy days. Oh, okay. He left happy days for his own. Happy days. Got him that series. Oh, okay. Then, oh, okay. And then after that came karate kid. Mm, okay. So, so everyone, you know, everyone was, uh, uh, we all went on, you know, we all went on to, to, bigger and better things, so to speak. So whose idea was it to do, because I know that after the series ended, Love Boat, there were specials, if I if I remember yeah. correctly, right? There were like one-offs, if you will, yeah, and then eventually led into a newer series. So whose idea was it to do these one-offs? Was that uh, Doug Kramer's idea, or was at that at that point, was it a different producer? No, no, no. It was Doug Kramer. And what I think it was in conjunction with the network. In other okay. words, we, we were given off for about three or four years. And then we were still fresh in the minds of people. So he said, well, why don't we do another two-hour special on the cast and the crew? And we would bring on different people. And we'd go to Mexico or we'd go, you know, Acapulco or whatever, and you'd kind of see where we were. We did like a Valentine's special. So they said, hey, for Valentine's Day, let's do a re Love Boat reunion. And that's what we would do. Mm -hmm. And then later on, we were getting pretty long in the tooth. So they said, well, why don't we do it again just so we can see how bad everybody looks and, <laughs> and let the audience in on that, you know? And so we did. We did about three or four uh, specials where we got to reunite. And then when they did a Love Boat spinoff, we did another show in which we came back and kind of said, "No, when you're serving a drink, serve it this way. Don't shove it. You know, whatever." So that that was the. I think that was the network in conjunction with Doug Kramer to answer your question. Okay. Did you? Uh was there ever, because I know that one of the big features about the Love Boat was there was a lot of special guests that would show up on the yeah. show. Yeah. Um, was there ever a, a guest star that maybe just didn't quite, like, didn't quite click with everybody else? Was John, you're looking for a little dirt here, aren't you? I am looking for a little dirt. <laughs> I am. I'm not going to lie, Ted. Okay, I'm going to tell you the truth, John. All right. Uh, there was one particular guest star who was fantastic as a human being when the camera wasn't on okay so like if you're 
having a cup of coffee in the morning and he was wonderful. You know, or if you say, hey, uh, what was it like uh, when you did this and that? And he'd have great stories to tell you, okay? But you turn that camera on. <laughs> oh, no. And it was Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll went away and Mr. Hyde appeared. And he did everything he could to make sure that you did not upstage him, okay? Or that you got a bigger laugh than he did. Now, this person, and they're going to have to look this up because most people don't know this name. My generation would know the name. Maybe your generation knows the name, but definitely we brought him back for our show a couple of times, and that's Milton Burrow. Do you know yeah. Milton Burrow? Yeah. Uncle yeah. Milton, Mr. Television. Okay, yeah. that's what he would say. So they turn on that camera. He said, I'm Mr. Television. So listen, uh, John, when you do that joke, wait five beats then say the last word. And you you go, well, listen, Uncle Milty, I know how to tell a joke. He said, no, 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 you listen to me. I'm Mr. Television. And so, then they say, Jason, Jason, you're taking too long. Talk faster, okay, baby? Talk faster. <laughs> you go, hey, this is how I talk. This is how my character talk, da, 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 da. Now, I'm going to give you two examples of Milton where he intimidated people and it worked. And then he tried to intimidate someone else, and it didn't work. Now, there's a woman named Martha Ray, and you may have to go online to see who Martha Ray is. I, but, I'm familiar with. I'm okay, familiar. Martha Ray, yeah. is a, she was in, actually in a Chaplin movie in the 50s called Monsieur Verdoux. Yeah, that's and, where I know her from. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so Martha is doing a thing, and Milton said, no, 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 Martha, you're not going to say that. I'm, you're going to say this, and I'm going to say that. No, 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 Martha, don't do that. That's not funny. Baby, 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 that's not funny. And so he browbeat Martha Ray till she was in tears. And she walked around and she, and she came up to me and she says, I'm funny. I know comedy. What is he talking about? And what, hap what would happen is we would never have directors strong enough to say, hey, Milton, we're sticking to the script. They would, you know, because... Milton would browbeat the directors. Look, I know what I'm talking about. I had a television show in the 50s, right? So there was another time he came back on the show and he worked with a lady named Audra Lindley. Now, if you don't know, recognize that name, she was on a series called Three's Company with John Ritter. And she was the next, the wife of the next door neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Audrey so this is the difference. So Audra, Audra, uh, the guy goes, uh, so Audra, uh, listen, don't say that. I'm I'm gonna say this. And she said, Milton, you don't want me to say that, but that's in the script. He said, No, 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 no. Listen, I know it's funny. That's not funny. You're not gonna say anything, and I'm gonna say this. And Audra took her arms and folded them and just looked. Now, he went through the whole scene and he took away, and she had the punchlines in the scene. They're like seven jokes, and all the jokes ended on a punchline of the wife and Milton's the husband. So he said, No, no, we're not doing that. I'm going to say this, and she's going to do that, and da, da, da. So basically, what you saw was he was giving her straight lines and he was taking the punchlines. Okay. And uh, so, and the director, 
was letting it happen. Okay. So uh, we got ready to shoot the scene. And I'll just, uh, uh, just a minute. Before we shoot this, I, sh I think we should let the producers and the writer see how we uh, improve the scene. And so the assistant director called up the writers and called up the uh, producers, <laughs> and they all came down on the set. And they saw them do the scene. And they said, what the hell are you doing? Your <laughs> wife is supposed to say this. You're not supposed to. And what they, they're known. They're not doing, you know. And so what she did is without getting Milton mad and without, you know, punching him out or anything and without ending up crying herself, she let this guy play out his deal. And then just before they got ready to say, she said, let's call the big guys in and show them what you did, Milton. And they came back and they put everything back the way it was. So that was that was fascinating. And as a director, see, that was good because I ended up directing uh, a lot of episodes of Love Boat. As a director, that was good for me to see because sometimes, you know, when you get into trouble and sometimes uh, you, you have a force like Milton Berle, they'll just take over, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a good lesson for me to say, no, we got to, the writers and the producers don't want to see this in dailies the next day and, and be upset that we didn't do the scene they wrote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jason, I got to ask you a question. We're going to skip so much further ahead, but um, you were on an episode of Psych, which is one of my favorite wasn't that a yeah that was a great time yeah. and and the, the chemistry now that's another example of two actors having great chemistry and bouncing off each other yeah i did a psych yes i watched an interview with uh james roday and dule hill and in the interview they were saying that when they're out with their girlfriends together on double dates or whatever their girlfriends have to stop them because they said they constantly just turn back into their characters from the show <laughs> when they're out publicly yeah just yeah. hanging out, having conversations. So was it fun to work on that show? Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. They were great guys. They were very giving, very uh, forthcoming. You know what I mean? Yeah. You were a guest, but it was their house. And if you wanted a drink or canopies or hors d'oeuvres, they made sure you got whatever you felt like having. And they loved playing in a scene with you, you know? So mm -hmm. it, it was totally a great experience. And they shot it up in Canada. Did you know that? I did. Yep. Yeah. Vancouver, yeah. I believe. Yeah. They shot it up in uh, Vancouver. And um, I was doing a play in Omaha, Nebraska. And I got the gig. They requested me for the gig. And I said, you know, this is going to be kind of tough because I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. And it's not Los Angeles and so on and so on. So. And they said... And I said, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get to this airport here in Omaha. Jason, they sent a car for me. There's nothing like falling out of bed, putting on your clothes, and getting into a limousine that takes you to the airport. <laughs> I felt like a big guy. You know what I mean? So they sent a car for me, got me to the airport, checked me through. And then when I got to Canada... They checked me through the, you know, the passport and all of that. Just checked me right on through. So it was a great experience all around. 
That's that's I, I love hearing positive stories about shows I like because one of the things about the show is both of the guys are really big fans of television and they would always bring you know the people the icons from TV onto the show and yeah 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 and they treated them well that's mm. the other thing you know sometimes a a a guy that's a regular uh, has a different approach to it but these guys were very giving and very uh, professional. You know, so we, we had a good time. We did a good deal, I think. So what, what yeah. are you up to now? What are your passions now? Well, uh, a couple of things. I became a playwright, and I, I've done I've written 25 plays in total. I have four of my plays online. So I want to tell your listeners how I'd love them to see my plays. So what you do is you go to YouTube. Then you type in my name, Ted Lange, L-A-N-G-E. Now, you have to be careful because there's two Ted Lange's. The other Ted Lange is a white guy who plays accordion. <laughs> Believe me, that's not me. I'm not playing accordion. So look for the black guy. And then what you do is after my name, you put up the title of my place. So here, here are the four plays I'd like you to look at. One is called Shakespeare Over My Shoulder. And what that is, and this is all based on historical fact, because that's one of the main things that I do is I write historical plays. Uh, Shakespeare was an actor during a pandemic in London in 15, I believe it is 93. And so I wrote a play about him trying to get work as an actor and how he ends up becoming a playwright because, oh, there it is, huh? Yeah, uh, because um, when he, 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 there's a whole debate is if he wrote the plays or not. And so what I did is I worked in the likely candidates. I did research on each one and I worked all the information into this comedy about Shakespeare. The second play, which is a uh, Black Lives Matter play, which takes place with two black guys in Starbucks. And I had written this play. Do you remember the incident that the two black guys had in Starbucks? Yes. Yeah, yes. where the cops? Well, mm -hmm. I had written the play before that. When that happened, I went back and rewrote the play to add an incident similar to that in my play. Mm -hmm. So that's my Black Lives Matter play. And that's called Blues in My Coffee. Because one of the things that used to be done in theater, particularly in Irish theater, is a story would take place in a bar or a pub and uh, a tavern. And so I come, came to the conclusion that Starbucks is the new tavern. That's where everybody goes. They go to do their homework. They go to meet their girlfriend. They go to have coffee, whatever. So I use that as the basis. And this story all takes place in a Starbucks. And um, then the third play that I've written is a play called Four Queens, No Trump. And uh, yeah, well, it's, it's taken on a new meaning since I originally wrote it. Uh, but that's about four black women that meet and play a card game called Bid Whist. Bid Whist is a lot like spades. But uh, it's really indicative of the African-American culture. And so there are four women, and they meet, and they play. And it's, kind of, it's a comedy. It's a straight-up comedy, 
four queens, no Trump. And they've got a little, I've got a little bit of drama in the middle there somewhere, but I come back to the comedy. And my uh, fourth play that's online is called The Tears of Shylock. And that has to do with uh, being an immigrant. And what I did was I took the play Merchant of Venice. And uh, this is in verse like Merchant of Venice, but it's fun. It's nothing you can't understand or won't get. But in Merchant of Venice, the character of Shylock is a Jewish person who's living in Venice. And he goes through all of these uh, obstacles. And when he goes off stage, that's where my play begins. And so you see all of the things that happen to him off stage. And then when he goes off stage in my play, he's back on stage in Merchant of Venice. So that's what I do is I play that back and forth. And so those are, uh, uh, they're actually uh, quite popular, those plays. Uh, so it's Shakespeare over my shoulder, blues in my coffee, um, four queens, no Trump, and the tears of Shylock, if your audience gets a chance to look at them, I would appreciate it because I love the hits and I'm trying to get, uh, depending on which one gets the most hits, I'm trying to turn it into a movie. So Awesome. Uh, I will definitely be checking it out and I will make sure I put the links to each one in the description. Oh, wonderful. That's excellent. Thank you. <laughs> now, my latest thing that's going to go online is a thing called Satchmo at the Waldorf. And what is that? That's a one-man show about Louis Armstrong, his last public performance. And we're doing that for the AmericanStage.org, O-R-G. American Stage. So if you go online to AmericanStage.org, you'll see information on Satchmo at the Ward, Waldorf, and it's supposed to premiere around February 19th for a week, for 10 days, February 19th to uh, February 28th. Well, Ted, I have two questions here, my last two questions. Okay. Uh, first, first thing that I have to ask is, because I, I was a big fan of the magazine, how did you get the Ask Isaac <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. I wonder which magazine he's going to talk about. <laughs> uh, go ahead. What was the magazine? No, no, the, uh, the, col the column Ask Isaac and FHM. How did that come about? Okay. For Him Magazine, FHM. Okay. So let me tell you how this that, that rolled around. And by the way, I would see, they would take pictures of me with uh, Beth. Ostrowski, who was Howard Stern's, then it was girlfriend, he later married her after mm -hmm. we stopped. Uh, and they would put her in a negligee and they'd put me in a sailor outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I saw her up close and personal and she was gorgeous. So I cannot blame Howard Stern, Beth Ostrowski Stern. Anyway, um, so what happened, and before her was Jenna Jameson. Now, you guys probably never heard of Jenna Jameson, have you? Uh, no. I have, yeah. <laughs> I've heard of her. Yeah, You've heard of her. around my high school. Okay, and, John's know, not before. being honest, but Jason is. <laughs> yeah, no, we yeah. they were bootleg CDs, all Jenna Jameson all day, yeah. Yeah, Jenna Jameson and I were the original two uh, people that we dispensed uh, – 
information for young guys reading the magazine. And basically it was sexual information. Um, Jenna was very serious. And I was more kind of loosey-goosey, let's have fun with this, you know. And I, 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 I added jokes in my information. Jenna Jameson would do the thing, but she'd be late with her answers. So finally they got tired of that and they, they got rid of her and they brought in Beth. That's how Beth got the gig because Beth would be on time with her answers. Anyway, so how did this happen? I went to New York to do a, 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 a gig and I met the editors of FHM Magazine. So we, I sat up in their editorial offices and we start talking and they said, well, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so. And I said, oh, no, come on, you guys. You don't believe that. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, this is this. Da -da 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 -da. And I gave them some advice, sexual advice. And then they said, well, what about Ted? What about this? I go, no, 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 you can't. No. Uh, and I'll give you an example of how much fun I have with these guys. Is uh, And this is after they, from that conversation, they hired me to do Ask Isaac, okay? So one day, they and they would fly me to New York periodically, fly me to New York, fly me to New York, all right? So we uh, one time I was sitting in the office with them, and they said, hey, Ted, you know, so-and-so, uh, so-and-so, this is how I pick up a girl. I said, well, that's not good. And they go, well, what do you mean? I said, that's not how you, that is not how you pick up a girl. Oh, you got a better way? I go, yeah, I got a better way. I'm older than you. I've been around longer than you. And I think I might have dated more than you, you know. So they go, what's, what's the deal? What's the deal? So they have stuff in the office that people send for PR purposes. Okay, so they have little knickknacks and books and things like that that they send. So... They, I found a, I said, let's go out to a bar. You pick someone you want to pick up a girl. We'll go out to a bar here in New York City. You pick the bar. He said, okay. And I said, and I looked around the office and I found unopened a keychain that was a SpongeBob keychain. Okay. And we looked around, found some other, I said, I tell you what. Get me a Harry Potter book. And they go, oh, no, not Harry. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get me a Harry Potter book. So they go, okay. So they, someone ran out and then got, you know, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Harry Potter does this or that, whatever it was. So I said, now, before we go to the bar, you guys picked out the bar? Yeah, we picked out the bar. I said, before we go, let me just say this. Who's going to be the guy? I'm going to be the guy. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk up to the bar and with your Harry Potter book, I want you to take that book and I want you to set it down on the bar. I don't want you to say anything about the book. Just set the book on the bar. It says Harry Potter gets laid. Okay? And uh, now... After you set the book down, I want you to order a Heineken. Can't be Bud Light or any order a Heineken. That's very important. So there you go. Okay, so we go to this bar. Now, and I said, oh, this is the other thing. I said, 
Whatever you do, don't lie to the girl. Tell the truth. Don't lie. Because you're gonna be, you're gonna if you're lying, you'll maybe forget you'll get you'll forget what you said. Mm -hmm. Just say just tell the truth. Go to the bar, puts the book on the counter, order orders a Heineken. There's a girl, gorgeous girl, sitting at the bar. And she says, Are you are you reading that? He goes, Yeah. She says, You're reading Harry. Now, the whole thing, the whole key to this is not the guy having an opening line. You'll never have a great opening line. The whole key to this is to get the girl to talk. And once you got her talking, you can talk back and you take the ride together. Like, well, what's your sign and how does this, where do you work, blah, 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 right? And she goes, you're reading Harry Potter? He goes, yeah, I'm reading Harry Potter, so-and-so, so-and-so. And she says, have you seen the movies? He goes, no, no, I haven't seen the movies or anything. She says, well, that's a good book. I read that book. He says, oh, you did? You read that book? She says, yeah. What do you think about the so-and-so, so-and-so? And the guy goes, uh, and then she says, oh, you're not reading this book. You use this book to pick up girls, don't you? And he goes, uh, yeah. And then she goes, so she turns her back on and goes, I'm no, done. And so, and, and we're watching, like we're in another part of the thing and we see her first, she's leaning forward and then we see her lean back and kind of turn her. And so I said, what did you do? He said, well, I just set the book down, da, 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 and I told her that I was reading it. And so, da, da. I said, you haven't read any of the book? He goes, no, I haven't. I said, well, you lied. I told you not to lie. You can't lie. You can say, I'm, I'm buying the book for my nephew or my niece or... You know, you could have said anything. I haven't read it yet. Or what's a good chapter? You know, but you lied. And she caught you in the lie. So they go, oh, yeah, yeah. And so that one of the other guys in the group says, let's go to another bar. I said, yeah, now let's use the SpongeBob keychain. So what I want you to do is go up to the bar, put the keychain on the bar, order a Heineken. The guy goes, okay, so we'll go to a bar, another bar, go to another part of town, go to another bar, goes in, puts the SpongeBob keychain down on the thing, and he orders a Heineken. And the girl says, the girl, there's a gorgeous girl sitting at the bar. Gorgeous girl looks at the keychain and she says, Do you know who that is? And he tells the truth and he says, no, I don't know who that is. And she says, well, that's SpongeBob SquarePants. And he says, well, who's SpongeBob? So the girl goes into a whole explanation. They're talking. What's your name? John, what's your name? Mary. So -and -so, so -and so. He's in the conversation, okay? And she's liking the conversation. And so she volunteers her phone number to this guy. She says, well, why don't you, and she writes down the phone number, why don't you give me a call and so on and so on. So she gives him the phone number. He takes the phone number. He says, okay, so on and so on. Then she picks up the keychain and she bites off the arm of SpongeBob and gives him back the keychain. <laughs> and then that guy said, oh, I'm scared of her. <laughs>
So that was the fun. So basically, that's how, you know, I'm just talking trash. You know, I was talking trash. And they said, this would be perfect for our magazine if you talk a little trash. I said, okay, yeah. I'm happy to do it. And I so that's ask. what I did. Huh? I got to ask, because uh, you you worked with Jenna Jameson. You worked with Beth Stern. Did you get to meet Howard Stern? No, I talked to him on the phone. I talked okay. to him on the phone because basically I was in L.A., and I think I was coming to New York for something and I wanted to check on her about something. So I gave a call and she had broken her foot or something and she couldn't get to the phone. And so I talked to Howard. And yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah. So he knew who I was. And I said, yeah, you know, you're a lucky guy, Howard. <laughs> I had to ask. I've been a fan of his since 96. Yeah, he was nice. He actually, I mean, you you know, you 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 think about him and he's really penetrating in some of his interviews, but he was really nice on the phone with me. Yeah, you talk about good chemistry. The chemistry him and Robin have is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All so, right, my final my final question. Okay, um, John. I know that you had a a bit part in the movie Black Belt Jones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And, and I have to ask, because I've heard so many stories, that Scatman Carruthers is such a character. Did you have any interactions with him? And did he do any any wild, mischievous stuff while you were around him? You know what? I did not have any scenes with Scatman. Howsomever, Scatman came on the love boat. Did you know oh, that? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, okay. I'm on the love boat, and that's how I got to know him. I didn't get to know him on uh, Black Belt Jones, okay. but I got to know him when he did a love boat, and the story was a really a good story. And uh, the person that wrote that story for me was Fred Grandy and Bernie Coppell, because the writers wouldn't write any stories for me. They wrote one story for me, and that was it. And mm -hmm. Fred got pissed off. He said, "You." You, you know, he's a regular and you're not writing any stories. Well, well you know, it's kind of hard to write for Ted and so on. He said, no, I got a story. And he pitched the story and they said, okay, you write that. And the story was Scatman Carruthers was a baseball player from the Negro League. And so he was an old time guy. And I was hitting on a girl named Vernay Watson, who was an actress and a guest star on Love Boat. She was my romantic lead. And I'm trying to impress her. Now, just as a side note, John, mm -hmm. Renee Watson and I did a movie together called Trick Baby, also known as The Double Con. And I was hitting on her. This was like in, <laughs> in 72. I was trying to get over on Renee Watson. And then years later, we worked together in another movie. But uh, when we, when Vernay and I did um, Trick Baby in Philadelphia, I was, I was hitting, you know, I'm 21, she's 21, whatever it is, and we're I'm talking, boom, boom, boom. And she says, uh, why don't you come by my room tonight? Whoa, okay. What time? Well, you know, after dinner, 6.30, something like that. I said, yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm thinking... I got the charm of Billy D. Williams because I'm getting over like a fat rat here. You know, so I go and I knock on Verne Watson's door. She lets me in. And she has the television on and she's watching The Wizard of Oz. 
So we sit on the bed and she and I are chatting together and I'm thinking, oh boy, this is as good as just me and her. And just as I think that, there's a, a knock on the door. And it was the star of the movie. His name is Mel Stewart. Mel's like 45 at the time. Renee's 21, I'm 21. So Mel Stewart, this four, that, uh, in my estimation, an old man comes knocking on this young girl's door and she lets him in. So Mel, come on in. So he comes in. Now he sees I'm there. I see he's there. And he starts, he's trying to talk to her, but I'm there. And so uh, she's very polite to both of us. So Mel realizes I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to try to hang, hang in here. So finally Mel goes, well, maybe I better get some sleep because we got an early call in the morning. So he leaves. And then when he leaves, Renee turns to me and says, well, you can go now. And then I realized the only reason she had me there was to get rid of this other guy, right? And I told Renee, I said, I'm not going anywhere. She says, what do you mean you're not leaving? I said, because I haven't seen the end of this movie. <laughs> she said, it's the Wizard of Oz. You know how it ends. I said, I think I know how it ends. I want to see it. <laughs> I want to see for sure how this movie ends. Besides, Mel may be just outside the door, and if he sees me leave right away, he's going to come right back in here. So maybe you should let me watch the rest of this movie. So she goes, okay. So we, of course, teased each other like four or five years later when we're doing Love Boat, and she's playing my romantic interest. And I said, this is the only way I get, get to kiss you, Vernay. <laughs> when you come on this show. Scatman and I, what I did, now I was telling you about sitting around with actors and mm -hmm. bonding and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. One of the things I did with Fred and Bernie was I showed them the ham bone. You ever heard of the ham bone? No. Yeah, see, that's a black cultural thing, ham bone. It's where you slap your thigh and your chest. Can I show you? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Are we on? Uh, will they see this? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so ham bone goes like this. Okay, so I showed Fred and Bernie. Ham bone, ham bone, where you been? Been around the corner drinking gin. Okay. So that's okay. the ham bone. So I told Fred and Bernie, you know, when I was growing up in Oakland, we used to do the ham bone on the corner, blah, 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 blah. They worked it into the story. <laughs> they worked this thing into the story. So Scatman and me have a ham bone challenge. And he did the ham bone, but he did it the old timers way. There's another way that he did it with both hands and he slapped differently. And then I did mine with one hand because that's how I was good at it. And we had this challenge. And so Scatman was really, really great. Okay. Now, let me tell you this. Not long after that, Scatman did the Stanley Kubrick movie with Jack Nicholson. The Shining. Oh, the Shining. Yeah. Shining. Okay. And you remember he has to fall down some stairs with a mm -hmm. axe in his chest 
Mm-hmm. And so I saw Scatman, and I went over to him at this thing with the social function. I said, "Hey, Scatman, how you doing?" He said, "I'm doing good, man." I just, but I, let me tell you something, Ted. I just did this movie with Stanley Kubrick. Oh, I said, how was that? Was he cool? Was he good? He said, "You know what? Um, they they had this scene where I had to fall down the stairs. So I fell down the stairs about three times with an axe in my chest." I said, "Yeah." So then Kubrick says, no, 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 do it again. And I, so I say to Kubrick, well, what do I need to change? Is there something I need to change? Because I've done it three times and you haven't said anything. He said, no, 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 just fall down again. So he fell down again. He fell down again. He fell down again. And he got up and he said, so what is that? Should I fall more to the right? Should I fall more to the left, down the center? What do you need? He said, just do it again. So he did it again. He did it again. He did it three more times. So he said, I must have did it about 15, 16 times. And Kubrick is not saying what I need to change. He's just saying, fall down the stairs. And so he finally hit like 16, fall down the stairs, you know. He said, Ted, I'm 70 years old. So I get up and I walk over to Jack Nicholson. I say, hey, Jack, tell this motherfucker to stop. Oh, can I say that on the thing? Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. You're good. You're good. <laughs> he tells Jack Nicholson, tell this motherfucker to stop. And Jack Nicholson turns to Stanley Kubrick and says, hey, Stanley, that's enough. And Stanley goes, okay. <laughs> Whoa. So that was, and that's uh, John and Jason. That was the fun of doing a show like Love Boat. You would get these stories great stories that you that you'll never find that story in a book never you know but i got it from the horse's mouth yeah yeah jack or uh stanley kubrick was known for his takes because i believe shelly long had to do um is it shelly long shelly duvall had to do the the confrontation with jack nicholson almost 200 times yeah yeah see that's sadist that's a sadist you know i mean no i uh, because i direct so I know uh, uh, I worked with a producer one time. It was the same deal, and and I was directing, and and he kept telling the actress. He said, "Ted, tell her to do it again." I said, "Well, what do you want her to change?" He said, "I just tell her to do it again," you know. And then that's a frustrating thing for an actor. You got to give them a little something to work on. So what I would do is I would go over and I said, "Listen, when you turn your head this time," so I give them something so there wasn't as big a frustration, but I wouldn't tell that guy. He was just wanting her to do it again, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but as an actor, you know, I have great sympathy for that sort of thing. And uh, sometimes these guys do things and, um, you know, they know better, you know? I saw a thing, an interview where, uh, what's the guy in the Wolf of Wall Street? Not the star, but the second banana, the heavy set guy. Oh, um, um, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Uh, uh, Martin Scorsese had somebody beating the crap out of Jonah Hill over and over and over again. Why that's come on, you know, you don't have to do that. Be real, be real, you know. But they, they, they sometimes they get into a sadistic thing and um, they, they will take certain things out on people, you know, that I feel they don't. Mm-hmm need or deserve to have to go through, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So listen, uh, Satchmo at the Waldorf, go online to AmericanStage.org, and February 19th is when it'll be ready. Okay, February 19th, um, Satchmo at the Waldorf, with, with an actor named L. Peter Callender, who is a brilliant actor. Brilliant. So I'm really excited that your fans and your your audience should see this show. Okay? Yeah, awesome. most definitely. Most definitely. In fact, oh, there it there is. There it is. There right down go. the screen. Yeah, see? Perfect. Perfect. Boy, this is... Say, I'm an old-timer. I love seeing you guys. Can You can just pull stuff up whenever you want. Uh, can you pull up a little Jenna Jameson? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Facebook would kick me off for that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just look at my discs. <laughs> okay. I, I got to say, though, uh, I've done a lot of these. This is probably one of my favorites. This is definitely in the top three. I want to thank you so much, Ted, for yes, coming Ted, on. Thank you so much as well. Yes. And as awesome. you mentioned, you are a director, and we didn't even get to that. So I hope somewhere down the line we can get you on again and talk more about that aspect of Hollywood and your life. Okay. I'm happy to. I enjoyed you guys. It was a lot of fun. Thank and you. Um, thank can, you. Do you have any social media that people can find you on? No. No. None. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but no, not really. That's what I'm saying. See, because then you got to devote a lot of time to that. And I'm an old guy. I'm trying to save as much time as I can. <laughs> if it wasn't for this podcast, I would probably distance myself from social media, especially right now in the world. It's crazy. Oh, but, uh, my God. These people have lost their minds. Jason, <laughs> what the heck is going on here? You know? So, uh, yeah, uh, but by January 20th, hopefully things will make a turn, you know? Mm -hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Hope yeah. So too. yeah. From John, myself, and Ted, I hope everybody has a great day. Yes, absolutely.